This is Patricia Wright Alexis, former captain of the Trinidad Tobago hockey team, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. This is John Boyce from the New York Islanders. You are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. This is Ayana McLean, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. The New York Islanders are a hockey club based on the east coast of the USA. Having been around for close to five decades, the club was originally founded and organised by those from the Caribbean islands, an influence which still drives the club today. In this series, we find out more about the New York Islanders from those involved. Theo McLeod talks to a variety of hockey personalities who have coached, played for and generally been a part of the West Indian hockey community in New York. This is Michelle Howard of the New York Islanders, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Half Court Press Podcast. You're with us for our New York Islanders Hockey Club specials. I'm sat here with the very, very smiley and happy-looking uh, Michelle, is it Michelle Juilliard or Michelle Howard? <laughs> Well, Michelle Juilliard now, but everybody still calls me Michelle Howard sometimes. <laughs> so Juilliard is your married name? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, so, Michelle, please, uh, please introduce yourself. Tell us about who, who you are, where you're from, who you play for, what your, your, hockey back, your hockey background. Okay. So, as I said, my name is Michelle Juilliard. I'm originally from Barbados in the small parish of St. George, right in the middle of the island. Uh, Currently, I'm living in New York, uh, Brooklyn, and what was your last question? I'm sorry. What's What's your hockey background? Okay, so I started playing hockey when I was 11. Um, That's usually in secondary school. Uh, Here, it's like almost high school. And I was lucky enough to have two national coaches as my uh, PE teachers. (laughs) So I eventually went on to represent Barbados in the 97 Pan Am Games in Chile, which was like my first trip out of Barbados. Uh, I also played for, at home I played for Empire Club. We also had a bunch of girls that we played together in the adult league called combined schools that's not still going on now most of the teams just play each other in schools or uh they're playing in the adult league so there's no more combined schools i think we probably had like the last batch of girls and as far as playing i still play for new york islanders but now i've slowing down my playing career and I'm only playing tournaments. The knees are not the same anymore. So I had to cut back a little bit from hockey. Yeah, I think age is catching up with all of us now, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> right, so what's, what is your involvement with the New York Islanders? When did you move there? When did, did you start playing for the team? So I moved here like in 99, but I didn't start playing until 2000, like the following year. And 
since I started, like my, at first I was just a player and eventually I went from that to being a player and a captain. And once I gave up that role, I had a little bit more responsibility as far as like bringing girls together, making sure everybody was feeling okay, or helping with planning of tournaments, whatever was needed for the club, just to fill a role so that everything can run smoothly. Yes, the, the captaincy is, is, is it the same as in the UK where it's as much of an administrator? As a therapist, everything they need. <laughs> yeah, it's the person who has this Friday night uh, before the game going, what do you mean you can't play? You could play, you know, half an hour ago. <laughs> That's exactly it. So what, what was the competitions that you played in? What was the, uh, the, the tournament, uh, the league structure, the, uh, the local rivals at the, in, in, the year 2000, what was it like? Well, our biggest competition was another Caribbean team, which was Malvern. I don't know if anyone had spoken to you about them before. Ayana actually used to play with them in the beginning. So yeah. they were like one of our rivals. And then there were a couple of English teams. Greenwich was another rival because they actually have a club here as well. So those were usually the top three teams in the women's league. At that point in time, there were only seven women's teams, which isn't actually bad, and about eight men's teams. What was the equilibrium like between um, the men's and women's team at New York Islanders and more generally in the wider hockey community in New York? Was, there, was it as strong a league or was it, or we, did it seem like you were fighting? Yeah, yeah, I think, like our Northeast League is actually pretty strong. Yeah, it's not like, so New Jersey actually has a league, but it's only with women. And you can see the different level in plays versus the women that play in New York versus the women that play in New Jersey. It's a little bit more competition here in New York and it's a little bit more recreational in New Jersey. Yeah, why, why do you think that is? I just everybody pretty much comes to New York. No offense to Jersey, but they're gonna, more people are gonna move to New York because of what it is. And that way you get more international people coming there and playing. New Jersey, most of the players that I see there, they've probably just played up to high school. You, ha you do have a few of them that have gone on and played like college and stuff, but the majority of them will only go up to high school. Isn't, isn't um, Bruce Springsteen from New Jersey? I guess so. <laughs> Don't think if you asked me a different thing, if you had asked me like, oh, where's Beanie Man from? I would have been like, oh, Jamaica, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I don't know who Beanie Man is. So I'm just... <laughs> oh, sorry. Please don't I get artists, sorry. <laughs> That's why. All right, so yeah, I think, I think it's a bit of a uh, cross-pollination here going on. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, so the, you, you, you arrived in New York in 99 um, and then started playing for the, uh, for the Islanders in 2000. 
why did you join them? How did you get, how did you find out about them? How did, how did you get involved with them in the first place? Why did you stay? So I, well, I actually joined them because I, I had no other choice. <laughs> that was a team I was told I was supposed to play for when I got to New York. Did you have contact? And yes, Euclid, yeah, through my contact, which was Euclid's, like one of Euclid's uh, schoolmates and best friends. So it was pretty easy to transition into that. And moving here, like, I, I didn't know how to take the train and stuff because we at that time we played in the Bronx. So a lot of times, like, um, it actually worked out that another member only lived seven blocks from where I was. So he would take me to the games and bring me back home. The reason why I ended up staying and still to this day will play for them or support them in any way is because besides growing with this club, they've become my family. Like, you know, away from home, like, those are the people that I talk to if I have an issue with anything. They're always the one to support you. They give great advice and they're great to hang out with. That, that social support, that sense of community, something that seems to be um, a common thread through all these interviews I do. Uh, yeah. when, you, when you you were quite a young lady, I, I, I believe it, when you first went to New York, how do they, how do they help you transition from being um, an, an, an economic migrant from overseas? Uh, how do they support you? How do they build you up? How do they involve you in their community? So it's like when you first come here, it's already nerve wracking to come here and be from a small place. And this world, it's, it's so big. Like you can get overwhelmed, stressed, and they're always there to give you some sort of advice because they've all been through this before. So it's easy for them to help you through whatever you may be going through. If it's about school, they can tell you how to go about it because it might be something new to you. Whatever it is, they're always there to, with some sort of advice because they've already done this before. What's the, uh, what's the social side like at New York Islanders? What was the post-game ritual? <laughs> post-game ritual. Food and extra oil. <laughs> Barbados rum. Barbados That's rum. pretty much it. We just, yeah, it's just an opportunity for us to catch up during the week because a lot of us don't all live in the city. Some of us live in Florida, some live in Massachusetts, some live in Maryland, New Jersey. So this is just an opportunity for us to get together a little bit and just catch up before the next week starts. Right, so what's what's the food? What's the uh, what what's the delicacies? Out of the uh... well, it depends. <clears throat> if usually if the men play early, well, we don't have a ladies team now, but usually if the men played early and the late ladies have like a late game, we'll make a whole day of it. So someone might cook something that's Caribbean. So you might have rice and peas. All depend on the day. You might have. Are we? There's this thing we call sauce. So it's like, uh, I, it's like, I don't like it though. 
it's like um how you have sausage like pork sausage so it's like some of that and pork like in a stew kind of i guess you would say a stew i don't like it anyway probably the only caribbean person that doesn't like salves so you'll have a lot of caribbean food the rum will always be the same some of the guys might bring rum from jamaica and then the fellows would be like uh we're not drinking that <laughs> we only want barbadian rum so what's the uh, what's the rum, rum of choice then extra old extra old. always extra old you can't go wrong with it best best rum up now andre Boyce, the the oh. men's captain yeah he, he's been talking about mount gay is that is that sacrilegious yes that's so Mount Gay is extra old. They have different brands, but that's the one that the guys prefer. Well, I prefer it. It's actually quite smooth. So it's, it doesn't give you that burn if you just, like, on days where it's cold and you just have, like, a shot. Like, it warms you right up. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, over here, it's got, and we've got the, uh, the whiskey. So uh, just same purpose. <laughs> <laughs> It's colder here. It's quite cold here quite often. So it's a, uh, what were your challenges and, and what were your successes when you first moved over to New York with the Islanders? Like lucky for me coming in, <clears throat> like as far as successes, lucky for me coming in to the club, like I kind of blended in. It didn't really change anything. So we were still able to compete on a high level. But after I became captain, I noticed like it was a bit of a struggle to get players to commit to coming because as we know, life happens. So people move away or they just don't have the time to dedicate. And I was finding that was happening a lot. And some of it I thought was based on when players come out of uh, college, after spending four years like devoting your life to hockey like it's hard for them to just give up those days where they don't have to do anything and to ask people to come out all the time was always becoming an issue which is the reason why we don't have a women's team so that was pretty much a big struggle for us trying to get that uh, high level of uh, commitment from amateurs is yeah i think that's uh how much of a family it, um circumstances how much do, do, does a, a starting a family um, affect um women in 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 new york in new york hockey caribbean hockey yeah a lot of well from my experience a lot of them don't have the time to dedicate because we're only playing one game a weekend and this all depends on if they've moved away or not. Mm. Usually if some people have come back, I can't say they haven't. Some people have come back, but once the kids are able, like toddler age, mm. they'll still come back up, but they won't be there like every weekend because it's not realistic to be there every weekend. So when does that change happen? Is it, is, is it, is it, Mid thirties, mid twenties. Yeah, mid twenties to like thirties, because I could understand, like having to, or I 
could try to understand like having to play for college all that time and then not having any personal life per se so then to ask them oh well if you went out on saturday night you need to be at your game at 8 30 in the morning <laughs> that's probably not gonna happen because you're completely wasted and they're not giving the effort like i found that there weren't a lot of girls like i was making sacrifices for my team why couldn't you make sacrifices as well for the team and not only for your team but for your teammates how many how many of the players were going through uh the the american college scholarship system was it all were they all based a, a few a few of them yeah a few of them were actually going through that the way the way the american set, set up uh, system is set up do you think it kind of lends itself to player burnout by their early 20s mid 20s yes i i do actually think that yeah um, I mean, we've been, we've been chatting to um, a few other people about this, uh, but the, I mean, I'm, I'm from Europe, so we have, a, we have, we have a, a, a fairly strong, a comparatively strong club culture over here uh, compared to our, our school system, whereas in the Caribbean, it seems, and, and the United States seem to have a very strong high school and college system, which is yeah. quite quite different. Um, Kimar Mitchell and Andre Boys uh, both told me about the, uh, the level of commitment, um, the amount of fans that go to watch high school matches, you know, in the Caribbean. Um, and, then, and, and of course, the, the, the American college system is, is for sport, sporting excellence is well documented. Um, yeah. Does this, does this help or hinder a club set up or a league set up for, for adults in America for hockey? Well, I found that after like coming here in the beginning, I feel like it, hockey here for women wasn't as prominent. Now there's so many other stages that high school players can play in. Like there are actually leagues for them. I don't know if they mentioned like junior premier league which is a league with a whole bunch of clubs from the east side, west side, and mid middle of the U.S. are now playing. <laughs> yeah, in the junior Premier League. So um, I find it's gotten a little bit better. That way you get the influx of kids going into college, but there's some sort of disconnect between them leaving college and playing in adult leagues but i think also there are not that many adult leagues anyway so they're not as much outlets for them so most of those college players would either go on <clears throat> and have families or start their own clubs so that's why there's so much of a club well high school club system here in the u.s that, that seems to, to dissipate once they hit 21 22 Yes. How, how, how would you change that? Or how, if one wanted to, to add to uh, um, a stronger club culture to the, to the community, how would you go about changing minds? How would you go about talking to people about that? 
I feel like if if there were more places, what we lack now already is already more places to play. It's like if we if we go to our unfortunately whatever if we go to Colombia, that's usually where we play. We play on astroturf. It's water base, but you have such a limited time to be there. It's not like if you have your own club that you can go and you can relax, you can play games multiple times. You only get a certain amount of time to play on the field and then that's it. And not every school is gonna have water base. Some schools have field turf and that comes by with football, so American football. So you're actually competing with that all the time if you wanna use these spaces. So there's, being that we're like Northeast field hockey, most of the hockey, our adult hockey league, it's going to be in New York. You might have a slither of people trying to start a league, but it would only be like a scrimmage game. We've, we've heard stories in, in some of the uh, hockey media outlets about women's field hockey uh, or just field hockey in general being being kicked off, ter- uh, off, the, off the turf, being, being denied playing uh, spaces at times randomly, it would seem, uh, for what is, is considered to be more prestigious sporting events by the establishment, by the uh, relevant administration. Uh, how common is, common is this? Have you come across this yourself? Yes, it's happened multiple times. It's happened in um, a Jersey League that I umpired in one time. Uh, It's also happened in the league that I played in as well, the New York League, multiple times because there was a conflict with whistles because soccer was playing next door. Yeah, it's kind of contradictory because they want to promote hockey, but they do all these other things to not promote it. Is it, what, what, is it just soccer? Oh, oh, oh sorry. I'm going to say, I'm saying, use the football term in football. Um, <laughs> is it uh, other sports as well? No, if they have a football game, American football game, you can't use the pitch. If they have uh, some, a baseball game, you can't use the pitch. If there's a soccer game, you can't use the pitch. If they're throwing anything else that they feel that it's going to be a damper on whatever they're throwing. You, you can't use the pitch. Is there, is there a male, female, is there a gender juxtaposition here? Is there? I don't think they really, it really matters if you're male or not. I just think if they don't want you to, they just don't want you, which is the unfortunate thing. It's not, a, you know, it's not a prestigious sport in America, is it? Yeah. It's not a moneymaker. Yeah. Which is funny because the amount of kids that go to... So there's so many competitions for kids. So there's a Disney competition uh, usually held in Florida. And you have at least 500 teams are, are so going... Or kids, sorry, going to compete in this. So... Of course, they're making money from it. So I don't understand why they don't invest the money back into hockey. And if you're trying to promote it and you're showing hockey on TV, 
Although sometimes you have to pay for the international games, <laughs> especially in pro league. But if you're trying to promote it that way, make it more available to everyone. Yes. Yes, I would agree. Um, you'll swing back round to the pro league towards the end of the, of the episode. If that's okay. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be fascinated for your opinions on that. Um, but same within the, sort of moderately within this realm. Um, what are what are the attitudes towards uh, female sports in 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 Barbados, in the Caribbean, in in New York, in hockey? Well, um, growing up, I didn't personally notice any attitudes towards women in sports in the Caribbean. Um, so I don't know if that's actually changed or not but as for new york like um you still get the occasional person that might not know anything about the sport or say things like oh that's for girls only <laughs> which is not the case which I, I have to commend the u.s on actually trying to get boys to play so now you have a little bit more boys teams playing they play in indoor they play in outdoor but there's still not enough of them playing to actually put forward a team if you're not playing here or in california you aren't going to find any male field, male players so so since you've arrived in new york in 1999 uh how has or has the game of hockey changed has it developed uh, over, the, over the years? Well, back in 99, like before that, like only one person from my country was actually getting scholarships to come and play. I didn't even know that those existed until I got, pretty much got here. So it's like, it's gradually increased where it's wider, it's known by more people and the benefits that you get from that so it definitely has changed there's more opportunities for girls to play hockey here now in college than when i first uh moved here uh, yes as far as scholarships yeah there are a lot more scholarships available to women for hockey and you can see by the progression of um clubs that have grown the amount of girls that they get to commit to these sports i myself i coach at a high school team like in the beginning i actually used to umpire this team so i knew a couple of the girls um a few of my head coaches girls have gone on to play and right now in my group we have at least four which is probably the most she's had that are actually going to play in college so it's it's grown because you get a little bit more opportunity to do things than you did before and it's not limited to just uh I don't want to say this, which is kind of offensive, like uh, people that can afford it. So everybody's a little bit more included. 
and they're actually trying to put it in public school. We were actually involved in US FHA had this uh, this uh, program that they were trying to start in the New York public schools to try to expose kids that normally wouldn't see field hockey um, be a part of it in their gym lessons that maybe if they're interested the option to join a club and find all that information online is available to them so who, who's we who's that organi organization that, that okay. you mentioned? U u.s field hockey right. association so the person that was in charge of that was liz chu she also um coached at rutgers and she was also a usa national player so she was the person that started this program and she had asked uh, another friend of mine who also played with Islanders and went on to play for Hostra, Josanne Jackson, to uh, see if she can pull a couple of girls to get together to teach some gym teachers like this basics that they can actually pass on to their kids so the program was actually called that we were trying to get into was the stars program which is an after-school program for kids so you and um, another new Islander were were on this committee on this uh having to run this program to yeah get, get into our much teaching the teachers for the program yeah that's amazing i mean yeah. For me, I think getting into the schools is essential to develop any sports. Yes, um, definitely. As long as, long as, as, long as there's a, a pathway there. Yeah. Um, so in terms of New York Islanders, how else, or have they helped in any other way to develop uh, hockey um, in, in the New York area? Well, I, I feel like the fact that we actually tour kind of helps. Most of our players have either gone on to coach or umpire or contributed in any other shape or form towards the growth of hockey. So we're always involved regardless of what other role we may play outside of that. So I think that's actually quite important. For me, I not only coach, I also TD, I also umpire, just to make sure that I can actually pass on something to somebody else. So it's all about that second generation thing. It's all about producing, um, uh, an, well, I suppose an extended uh, umbrella of community, I suppose, isn't it? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in that respect, who are, who are the, the people doing this? Who are the big person, uh, personalities pushing these programs forward and these ideas forward? Well, for me, in our, in our club, as far as like women, I would say like Karina, I learned from her, Karina what? Ferguson. Okay. She's, she's Andy's wife. And, and you spoke to Anderson Ferguson? Yes. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yes. She was the captain before, so a lot of things that I learned was through her. So she, as far as like the clubs and stuff like that, she pushed me through, taught me how to do things. And now I'm doing the same thing with our current captain, who's Lynn Marie Wilson. She's also from Barbados. And uh, she as well played here uh, for U.S. Oh my gosh. She played for Post in college. She also represented Barbados. So now she's learning all the same things that I did before. She also used to coach with me at the high school that I coach at. <clears throat> but uh, now she's just playing and captain in the side. Barbados seems to have produced quite a number of New York Islander hockey players. Yeah. <laughs> in the water, something in the room? What's, what's, what's happening? I think it might be. <laughs> yeah, they are. They, I didn't think there were a lot of us, but there are actually a lot of us. And it's surprising to see how many of them have come through and passed through the club and will still reach out every now and then. But when I first came to me, the only person I knew was like Euclid and John Boyce. So, but I, it's nice to see that like there's so many other people that at home that knew them that I had no clue that there was that connection. That older generation of uh, Islanders uh, all seem to be um, extremely well connected. Everybody seems, anybody who played hockey in that area, area seems to know who they are. Yes. It's like, it's like a tree and there's so many branches. It's, it's fascinating to see that. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. It's fascinating to see that there, how many people they are connected with, the people they're connected with, and that you have that kind of um, interaction or history with all of them. I've been told by a couple of different people that the, uh, the New York Islander clubhouse was in fact in um, Euclid Juni Mahon's basement. <laughs> yes, that is quite true. <laughs> Everything happened there. All our Christmas parties. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely there. He's definitely the home of the club. Any stories that can be repeated on a on an internationally listened to podcast? No, you just have to join us. I'm promised. There'll be a story. <laughs> There'll be a story. <laughs> uh, nothing repeatable there. Huh? It was a bit... No, uh, no, on, no. A, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, how, how, was the, how was the average party? Was it tiddly rinks or, uh, or pop star sensation? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it Well... It's definitely one to remember. I know that for sure. <laughs> but we can't tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Caribbean hockey. Um, I'm interested about the, the culture, the style of play. Um, how, how would you describe uh, the Caribbean style of, of hockey? Like for me growing up, 
I always thought that we were all talented, but <laughs> we weren't the most organized people. And I'm talking about Barbados. That's, that's just my opinion. Some people might not agree with that. But I think individually, we're all talented. It was just to get us to work better as a unit. Now, if you look at Trinidad, they're talented and organized, which is always our biggest rival. I don't know why they have to be our biggest rival. Probably because they're closer to us on the map, but. It helps. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. But I feel like if we were a little bit organized, we would do a lot better at, at tournaments. I also see as my time with the national team has passed on that things had changed a lot which i think that's throughout the caribbean anyway is that of course people have families and stuff like that and then we have to think about the influx of money that these other countries have that we don't especially like the facilities and being able to do hockey full-time which isn't realistic for most of us in the Caribbean. Brazil has samba football. Uh, in, in Europe, if, we, if, we're, if, if we're on the money, we call it champagne hockey. Uh, what phrase would you, would you use to describe Caribbean hockey or Barbadian hockey or New York Islander hockey? Hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> I uh, might have to come back on that one, but that's a good one. A previous interviewee on this series uh, suggested Calypso hockey. Yeah, but um, Trinidad might have an issue with that. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because I think they're, I think they will think they're the ones that started Calypso. Right. So that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the Trinidadian and Bayesian rivalry, uh, we've also had uh, Ayanna McLean, the Trinidadian umpire on this series, um, who I believe also played for the, her national team before she became an umpire, or an international umpire. Uh, did, you, did you ever play against her? Who was the better player? So, the funny thing is I played against Ayanna, but here in New York, she played for Big Apple and I played for New York Islanders. But we would never see each other because she played the center defense and so did I. <laughs> but yeah. You didn't take any short corners, anything like this? No, no. Sure. <laughs> what was your record against, uh, against uh, her teammates? Did, did you ever have any clean sheets? So the funny thing, that's a rivalry in itself here so it's like whenever we had to play each other we always had full teams when it was anybody else in the league it was like ah, maybe we'll just show up with eight so it's either we lose by one or we win by one it's hardly ever tied so big apple are they the other caribbean another caribbean uh, yeah based on well that? yeah kind of there are a couple of caribbean girls that played with them yeah 
So how- but that's mostly through Ayana and um, um, Josanne. They're usually the girls that they would know. So how did the rivalry with, between New York Islanders and Big Apple Ladies uh, begin? How did that come, come about? I feel like I just walked into it. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't something that I chose for myself. It was just known and that was it. <laughs> okay, so is it, is it pre-existing? Yeah, pretty much. So, so, so somebody had a, a couple of players from 20 years ago had, had, a, had an argument or something he's carried on. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, you, you were talking a bit about the sort of the different styles of play between Trinidad uh, and Tobago uh, and uh, Barbados. The New, the, the New York Islanders seem to be a bit of a melting pot between different styles um, of play within uh, 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 um, a region. Uh, how do these styles of play fit in together? How do how do they work work together? They actually do really well together, especially when you're looking at the men's team. You have uh, players from Trinidad, Barbados, Guyana, um, England. Well, born Brazilian, but England, and they all seem to be able to read each other. I don't, I think maybe it's personally because of their experience that that's why they seem to play so good as a unit. So everyone compliments the other's person's style. That That's why it showcases a lot more than in the women's group at that time. <laughs> well, they were women a bit younger, were they? Was that no, I, I feel like because it's almost like you know what the person's going to do. Like when I'm playing with any person from the Caribbean, it's just like a common knowledge. Like I know what it is, like how to wait a pass or where they're going to run. Like it's, it's the, some weird connection that you have that I can't actually put my finger on that it's so much easier to understand. Maybe it's their body language that we're able to read a lot more than uh, players in the US that might not have the same style as us. Yeah, so I think that's why. Is the New York Islander Hockey Club a precursor to a West Indian style hockey team? Should there be a West Indian style hockey team? I personally think it would be a good thing. I, I feel like if you pick the best out of all the Caribbean, like it would give us the opportunity to compete a little bit better on a higher level. We don't really get much of that as, as much as we would like, but it would be nice to see. I don't think it would ever happen in my lifetime, but it would be nice to see if we could actually compete like how the cricket team does on a national level. There is, there is precedent for this in Europe, of course. Um, my, my, my team, my t- national teams, uh, 
for the Olympics. All the home nations get together. Uh, England, Scotland, and Wales, of course, uh, it's a unified Ireland for political reasons. But yeah. uh, England, Scotland, and Wales all get, get, get together uh, for, uh, during yeah. the Olympic cycle. The, it, all the players are, have, all the top players have a centralised contract. So they train together throughout the year anyway. Um, but then they split up for uh, continental championships and the World Cup into their home nations. Yeah. Um, do you think something like this could work for, for you know, so the CAC Games, Central uh, American and Caribbean Games, uh, Pan Am Cup perhaps, um, if you play as your individual home nations, then get together for Olympic qualification? Yeah, I think that would be a good option for us, especially giving us a little bit more exposure to a higher level of hockey. So that wouldn't be a bad idea for us to actually do that. <laughs> when, I, when I spoke to Kamar Mitchell, the Jamaican uh, men's uh, player uh, for uh, Series 6 Pan American uh, Hockey uh, Series, uh, he was saying he, he would be curious about it. He thinks it could potentially work, but uh, difficulty might be finances. Apparently, it is cheaper to travel to Miami than it is between the Caribbean nations. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's about five grand to get from Jamaica to Florida, that, uh, that, um, and then six grand to get to um, one of the five. That's disappointing. Yeah, but money's always been a issue when it comes to traveling. Like, for instance, back in 97, we weren't even sure if we were actually going to make it to Chile because the Federation didn't have, Barbados um, Olympic Federation didn't have any money to send us. Uh, we had just hosted 96 Junior Pan Am in Barbados. So the thought was, okay, since the men weren't going anywhere, we would be able to get that money to send the girls. And uh, we probably didn't know that we were going until like the week of when we had to leave. It, it always turns up like it's either the men go and the women miss out or the women go and the men miss out and they will go the next time. So finances has always seemed to be an issue when it comes to sending teams to tournaments from Caribbean islands. Yes, it, it seems to be a, a common issue with second and tier third, um, second and third tier international teams. I've interviewed um, players who've, who've, who've good hockey players at. The, the second tier European Championships, who have, have had to ask their boss or their, or their college uh, lecturers very, very nicely to get time off, to come, yes. come, come to an international tournament. Yes. Is this, is this a similar situation in, in, in Barbados, in New York? Yeah, well, you have, yeah, because most of these players are working full-time 
uh, for instance, my best friend, she's a teacher, so she has to take time off to do that. She's also a mom, so she has to make sure that her son's taken care of. So it is a damper, but I feel like for companies, if you're going to have an employee that's going to be able to expose, that's something that you should want to promote anyway. So sometimes I feel like the companies should be proud that their employees are representing their country. But I can also see on a business side, like, okay, so I have to find somebody else to fill in for this person so that they don't miss out any kind of in income. But I like to see my friends go and do great things. So to put this into context, uh, we're recording this on Friday, the 25th of September, 2020. Um, the FIH rankings. Um, so Argentinian women, top team in, in, in the Pan American region that are second in the world. Uh, Canada 15th, United States are so the Canada are 14th and, Can and the USA women's team are 15th. Um, it's then quite a way down. So we, we're now well out of, of the top tier of Pan American uh, hockey um, into the second tier. Barbados ladies are 44th. Um, your rivals, Trinidad and Tobago, 51st. Um, and then, and then uh, Jamaican ladies, 65th, Guyana, 68th. Um, so it's, in terms of getting sponsorship, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's an uphill struggle there. It's, it would seem like in order to get, break into that second tier. I, I didn't hear you. Um, so in terms of just simply where you're, you're based, in terms of getting sponsorships in order to help fund this, it, it, would, it would appear to be like an uphill struggle. Yeah, yes. Like most of the time, like I think we got a little bit of sponsorship from um, a few companies in Barbados um, in the beginning, but I don't know if that has increased in any way, shape or form, or if they found new sponsorship moving forward. I think when we first got our first kit, we were, um, we were partly sponsored by Reebok. So that was at least helpful in some shape or form, but um, I'm not sure like if their sponsorship has increased since I've left. Okay, so how helpful has the FIH Pro League been with this, uh, and how would and how does the FIH Pro League compare to something like the World League? Well, my perception is it's almost like a world league, the pro league, because it's the top 10. In uh, well, it, actually, actually, it's not even the top 10 in USA. It is. Well, length and the, um, Canada above them in the rankings, they're not there. Belgium above them in the rankings, they're not there. Um, Ireland women are ranked eighth, they're not there. Neither Spain. Um, it's, it seems to be a collection of their favourites. Not sure. <laughs> um, do, uh, 
giving that exposure to a select group of, of, of national teams, um, does that help or hinder people like Bob Ados and Trinidad and Tobago? And well, it doesn't give us any opportunities to play in these tournaments, which is unfortunate. But even if they didn't, they I'm sh I feel like the, if they're going to start a pro league, maybe you can have like amateur as well. Probably not that name, but to give other countries that don't get as much playing time as these countries that have the financial support and opportunity to play on another level. Again, we're talking about the stuff that you're talking about involved in the um, Northeast um, uh, hockey community about pathways from schools into clubs and so on. Is, it, is this the same conversation? Yeah, pretty much. Cause it's, it's just as far as like, the kids and stuff like you it's if you have the money to play in these sports then you can continue to play and and move beyond that if you don't then it's hard for you to get into this sport because you need to be financially able to uh, pay for tournaments fees club fees travel everything So as as we begin to wind up, um, just before I let you go, who have been the best players that you've played with? Uh, for the uh, with um, who have been the best players that you played with at the New York Islanders? I'm just going to be political on this and say all my teammates, of course. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to get on anyone's bad side. <laughs> I do have my favorites, though. I would say Karina is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, who else have we had? Uh, my best friend Allison played with us for a while. Allison Haynes, she played with us for a while. Um, Lynn Wilson, who's our new captain, she's also been great. Uh, Barbara Wally, she's actually English. She played with us for a while. She was um, coaching at TCNJ with Allison. Uh, this is a NCAA school. Uh, I would say Ellis. Andy, John, Euclid. Yes, I've also played with Euclid. <laughs> um, Steph, uh, Verily Smith. He, uh, he scored the own goal for Brazil in the Olympics when it was in Brazil, in Rio. Yeah. Yeah. So those are most of my teammates I really enjoy playing with still what have you gained from them that you didn't gain from anybody else I I feel like just just their trust in me like sometimes you'll be on a field you might make one mistake then your teammate is definitely not going to pass you the ball again 
but regardless to that they're always encouraging they're they're always saying well, oh well maybe if you do this or give you another way to think of things that might help you in a certain situation be it on or off the field so that's why i like them so the europeans call it champagne hockey the brazilians call it samba football what do you call New York Islander hockey? What do you call Caribbean hockey? Family. That's um, the best thing that I can think of. Family. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Juliars. Yeah. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too bad because I was super nervous. <laughs> this has been a half court press production by Teo McLeod.